You're listening to the Gov Future podcast, highlighting discussions and insights around innovative technology impacting the public sector. Hear from experts working with and inside the government on ways that technology is shaping the future of the public sector. On this episode, we speak with Katie McCulloch, Director of the Business Integration Office at the Department of Interior. We discuss how process automation and the use of RPA and software bots are increasing efficiency and effectiveness of DOI operations. Learn how AI and analytics are set to transform the delivery of DOI services and how federal agencies can foster a culture of data-driven innovation and collaboration. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Gov Future podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ron Schmelzer. And we've been having a lot of great interviews lately across the board with public sector innovators from federal, state, local, international even. And uh, we appreciate the feedback we've been getting from many of you who are curious about so many of the topics we've been talking about. Technology is really changing the face of so many things we are dealing with on a daily basis. It's almost hard to keep up and with all the the, uh, the the keep up with all the technology changes that are happening from AI and automation and analytics and big data and the cloud and IT modernization and quantum even and cybersecurity. But that's what we do here in Gov Future. We help share these insights, especially from the uh, innovation leaders in the Public Sector Summit and with those that are also in our Gov Future community. So really, if you haven't yet subscribed, I encourage you to do so and stay connected here so that you can hear about how leaders in the uh, public sector are taking and adopting transformative technology and uh, staying ahead of innovation in the public sector. Exactly. And we always love to have interviews from, you know, people at different government agencies across all levels of government, because it is important to get all those different perspectives. So for today's podcast, we're excited to have with us Katie McCulloch, who is the director of the Business Integration Office at Department of Interior. Welcome, Katie, and thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me today. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at the Department of Interior. Great. Thanks. Thanks so much. So, yes, my name is Katie McCulloch, uh, and I'm the director of the uh, U.S. Department of the Interior's uh, Business Integration Office, which we do call the BIO. Um, I have about 25 years of experience in the public and private sector. Prior to joining the BIO, I served as the Associate Director for Administration uh, with the United States Geological Survey, which was in DOI, um, overseeing some of the science support uh, functions for the Bureau. Uh, but I've been with the department uh, since about 2009 in a variety of roles, so about 14 years now. I uh, also hold, held a number of positions in the Department of Interior and with DOD, specifically the Defense Finance and Accounting Service. And previous to becoming a federal employee, I worked in the private sector with a large number, a number of large consulting firms in the in the DC area. But uh, let me tell you a little bit about the bio, um, which is uh, will help you understand a little bit more about uh, what we're doing with uh, robotics, so RPA. The bio was created to develop and manage DOI's uh, Enterprise Financial and Business Management System, FBMS, which is the department's administrative backbone. 
So pretty much all the administrative uh, systems in the department, uh, with the exception of HR systems, are within FBMS. FBMS actually replaced 87 administrative systems since 2006 and uh, provides for that modernized, fully integrated, enterprise-wide solution supporting all the interior bureaus for functions like acquisition, budget execution, accounting, uh, financial assistance, fleet management, and real personal property management. So all those different business uh, functions. But um, one thing I'll just share as interest, a piece of interest, uh, which we also consider a best practice, is that the bio in DOI is uniquely positioned within the department because it reports up through the business side of the house uh, rather than sitting under the OCIO's office. And this ensures that really the business is driving the technology rather than the other way around. Uh, this was a deliberate decision to made and it's, it's worked out really well, allowing us to bring technology to the business and policy communities to support that modernization across the department. Well, that is fantastic. That's a good perspective. And uh, we were really thrilled to have your colleagues, Andrea, presenting and being participating on our panel at uh, the GovFuture Forum uh, in-person event in D.C. earlier this year. So she shared some of those insights and some of the cool things you guys are looking at and, and looking ahead to. And I think, you know, that perspective of having innovation sit within uh, the line of business, as it were, the the folks who have to actually deal with uh you know, making things actually work, <laughs> delivering value. Of course, everybody in the organization does that, but the people who directly face, you know, the citizens and the customers and the users, uh, you know, have to think about how this technology will transform what they're doing. So one of these things you talked about, you talked about the software bots, you talked about the bot brigade. Well, something we want to share with, with our listeners here is this thing called the bot brigade, which again, we're going to be so fortunate to actually see and have in person. So for those of you that are in the DC region, hopefully have a chance to attend our GovFuture Forum events where we actually have great demos from folks in the government showing off what they're doing. And I think it's a great opportunity for those to see in person uh, what those are. But of course, we do record all of our GovFuture Forum DC events. So if you're not in the DC region or you can't make it to those events, you can see these things uh, online as well to the best of our ability to record these things in person just not the same as being there in person. But uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about, about the, the bot brigade for those that either ha weren't able to see it or can't see it and kind of what, what the idea is and sort of how they're helping on the automation side and how they're helping with a lot of your uh, goals around innovation. Absolutely. So we currently have six bots in production, uh, though that's not entirely accurate because some of the bots have multiple parts. So for instance, our first bot, uh, which we called fondly uh, Bob, the, Bob the Closer, is really five bots uh, working together. Our current bot brigade supports various parts of DOI's acquisition, property, and financial management processes. So automating uh, key but repetitive parts of business processes has freed up resources for this higher value work. So I'll tell you a little bit uh, about a few of our bots. Uh, we name our bots to identify their area of expertise, but also as a way for our teams to have a little bit of fun by personalizing these tools. Uh, so the PAL bot and the OSDA bot, and that OSDA bot stands for the Office of Small and Disadvantaged Business Utilization. They're retrieving information and distributing it automatically via email and a Tableau dashboard. So these bots, by our calculations, are saving approximately 
2,000 hours annually from humans performing these, these processes. But also as important, they have resulted in more real-time data refreshes. So for example, we often had to rely on days or even weeks old data. With these bots, uh, data's refresh daily, allowing for more timely decisions. I also mentioned Bob the Closer a minute ago. Uh, Bob started it all with automating, automating contract closeout actions. So Bob analyzes and drafts modifications before emailing our contracting officers a list of expired contracts for potential closure. Then the COs uh, can approve or disapprove those items on the list. Since Bob's launch, the DOI acquisition community has expanded its use and thought of additional ways to further automate the closeout process. Uh, this effort saves at least one hour per contract closeout uh, for the department's contracting officers. So since coming online in March 2020, Bob has helped close out nearly 20,000 awards across multiple DOI bureaus and offices. So that's about 500 person weeks devoted to more meaningful activities in support of the mission. So DOI uh, has definitely benefited by using our bots to automate and standardize the way this work is done. We've increased our data accuracy, improved data timeliness, and definitely improved our data integrity. It's always great to hear how different agencies and, you know, organizations in general are using RPA bots because it can bring about tremendous savings. And sometimes these savings are measured in cost. Sometimes these savings are measured in people, hours. But sometimes there are some unexpected benefits that can come from using RPA. So, you know, and I like that you said that you've been using Bob the Closer since March of 2020. So it's been around for a few years now, and I'm sure uh, you've seen tremendous benefit. Things have probably evolved. And, uh, you know, as people feel more comfortable with this, you think about different ways you can continue to use bots in your process flows. So what have been some of maybe the unexpected benefits that using RPA bots has brought to DOI? So that's easy. Um, increased interest in innovation. Uh, our success with RPA has increased that innovative thinking across our stakeholder community. So every te team that we've worked with has subsequently developed additional use cases uh, for those automation efforts. And I'll say it's really inspiring to be part of an era of creativity that's been sparked by our use of RPA technology. So we love to hear those questions that begin with, so what if we were to do this? Or you know, what could we do if uh, we did that? Uh, so, you know, that even applies for the other conversations with other agencies and other offices across the federal government. So as the use of RPA increases across these agencies, we are seeing more and more collaboration. So people want to discuss our use of RPA, and we love those conversations. Uh, we've discussed lessons learned, um, how we were able to accomplish our automations, and how we began our own automation journey. And it's great to hear about how other agencies are also using RPA, because it sparks ideas on how we can continue to expand our use cases. So in fact, uh, we met with NASA just a few months ago and shared some ideas and compared notes. And it was just such an incredible discussion. It was really awesome. Yeah, that's important. I mean, that's part of what we're all about here, you know, collaboration and communication and cross-agency participation, because people are working on things 
uh, all the time. I know that when we were, we've been like looking at uh, RPA implementations in the government for like many years now, and I know that there's been this effort to collect all these RPA use cases and case studies and publish them in part because people are saying, hey, I'm I'm working on a very similar problem or if not the exact same problem. I remember a while back we were looking at IRS had this contractor determination system where they were using a, an RPA system to help to determine whether or not contractors were you know, allowed basically <laughs> to do business. And uh, another, I think it was the US Army basically had the same problem. And they basically just kind of borrowed the bot. I'm like, hey, great way of uh, you know reusing things. Uh, value, of course, the taxpayer value, but also helping to even uh, iterate on these these bots and make them bigger and better and, and uh, more robust and all those great things. So we love this idea of collaboration, hearing how you're working with some of these other uh, agencies. So you maybe tell us a little bit about some of the challenges. I mean, um, you know, what what have you what challenges have we run into? And I think you mentioned you've been using these bots now for a couple of years, but maybe you could talk a little bit about sort of like the history, um, kind of what challenges you ran into. It doesn't have to be technology. People in process challenges come up a lot. But, uh, you know, I'll leave it open. You can share with our listeners kind of some of those challenges you ran into. Absolutely. That's, that's definitely can be part of it because there's something about these technologies that can be scary. You know, maybe it's because of some of those old sci-fi movies, or maybe people are worried about losing their jobs to, to bots. And, and that could be a legitimate concern. Uh, but we have found that this type of automation actually improves our employee experience by shifting things like data entry to data analysis. So away from some of that tedious and monotonous work to work that's, you know, a little more exciting. So we anticipated this concern. So we started small, we built support and stakeholder confidence and added capabilities and complexity over time. And that gets people familiar and comfortable with the technologies. Our RPA efforts are also supported by well-planned communication and organizational change management activities, because that is really important as well. Then um, you will also deal with the fact that even though these solutions are designed to create, create an increase efficiency and save money, they also require an investment of time and resources. Uh, it can sometimes be challenging to fit in time for that innovation. As you know, we're all routinely presented with new requirements, mandates, budget constraints, and all those other variables that are part of doing business uh, in the government. So um, we need to really invest in these emerging technologies to, to see the benefits. And then there's governance, of course. As government use of automation technology grows, departments and agencies are tasked to uh, ensure that these technologies are safe, that they're secure, reliable, and effectively controlled. And as this technology changes, so might the government, the governance around it. So we all know that we're just trying to work through this and get our arms around it, just even as this technology is changing and growing. And finally, I would say, um, you know, we've come to realize that this is not just a plug and play solution. So understanding and, and definitely not underestimating the operations and maintenance footprint of automation technologies is also really important. So changes, upgrades, patches, and all those things that can happen in a modern IT environment can really cause problems for our bot brigade. So coordination across all the IT communities is really essential to make sure that all runs smoothly. 
Yeah, I like that answer a lot. There was so much there to digest. You know, we always say think big, start small and iterate often. So I like that you have that same mindset and you were starting small. I think that is one way to really have folks feel comfortable with this, right? You know, you don't want to do too much too soon. People can get really overwhelmed. You said, you know, there's fears, concerns around this technology, uh, and so if you start small, they can see the benefit of it. Also, uh, it's really to kind of take the robot out of the human, right? You don't want them doing those repetitive tasks over and over again. They can do much higher value tasks. Plus, humans are error prone and, you know, we don't need to be copying and pasting things all day long. I don't think that that's fulfilling. And I don't think that that's really what people were hired to do. Either they want to do those higher value tasks. So it's nice to see that those are some of the benefits that are coming from this. And that's what people are seeing. Um, when it comes to IT modernization, I think every government agency at least, you know, talks about this. IT modernization is something that's always discussed when you talk about uh, federal agencies and governments of, and public sector of all sorts. So how can federal agencies harness the power of data and automation to help drive informed decision making? So like you said, almost every job in the modern world requires some form of data to make decisions. And definitely the federal government is no different. Uh, we know that many federal departments and agencies are using or at least experimenting with RPA uh, to do this right. And uh, organizations really need to take that next step. They need to prioritize their focus, their funding and support for the program. That way they can ensure they fully utilize all the new tools that are, are being developed and, and refining that, that data and that automation. So, so one example of automation and forming data decisions is what I mentioned before, our OSDEBOT. So uh, the DOI uh, Office of Small and Disadvantaged Business Utilization, which we call OSDEBU, uh, was looking for a better solution to provide data to the DOI acquisition community. At the time, OSDEBU employees were manually retrieving all of that data from SAM.gov once every three weeks. This was mostly due to the amount of time it re was required to retrieve all that data, analyze all that data, and, and then format it for use. And then that data was measured against DOI performance and against statutory small and socioeconomic business goals. So our team worked with Ozdebu to automate this process. Now the, the Ozdebot pulls the data every workday and accomplishing all those steps previously performed manually by an employee. And now we link that data also to a Tableau dashboard for DOI use, uh, which in turn informs all of our contracting officers in near real time for contract set award set aside uh, decision making. So this has been a, a really huge win. We continue to work with all of our DOI business areas to identify good candidates just like that one uh, for automation. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Um, and you you mentioned some some you know really interesting change management's always the hardest part. Uh, and actually, it's kind of interesting. And I think, well, uh, you know, there's some tension. I guess I don't know if the word tension is right, but there's 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 this. I think that the feeling is that the pace of technology change is accelerating. And one, it just may seem that way, maybe because technology is in the news and press all the time. But actually, truthfully, is in many ways because we track a lot of what's happening in AI and artificial intelligence and analytics and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, yeah, I mean, there's like a new model release like every couple months, and then people build stuff on top of that, and then people build stuff on top of that. 
And the next thing you know, it's like one year of technology change, like it feels like a decade. And maybe even the past year may feel like previously what we changed in two or three years. And I think that's really tough, especially for government agencies, which are dealing with limited resources, limited budgets, maybe planning on like one year cycles. I don't really sort of know all the time, all the details of the government technology planning, but it's very hard to plan uh, many years in advance now and you know keep up with it, not only because you, you may want to take advantage of the latest technologies that offer some real opportunities, but also you might have to respond to it because your constituents and citizens and users, they're starting to use this stuff. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We haven't yet prepared for generative AI. We haven't prepared yet for, you know, all this other stuff. And how do we respond to it? And you may not have the luxury of time. And so I don't really know how how to feel about that. I mean, how do I don't even know how government agencies are responding to that sort of pressure, I guess, uh, of, of the constant change of technology. And, you know, that comes comes down to a little bit of of like, you know, how how you're fostering that culture. Of, of data innovation, how you're dealing with collaboration, how you're dealing with, with these sorts of things to accelerate uh, IT adoption, not only of the technologies we've talked about, but this rapid pace of, uh, of, of constant change. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and change management, getting people comfortable with things uh, is definitely one of them. But, you know, I also would say that um, agencies uh, should listen and, and use data from stakeholder feedback to help drive modernization. You really have to listen to what people want, what do people need, so you can help to sort of drive that change with things that are meaningful for them. So as an example, I'll give you an example of what we've done here uh, within, within FBMS. So we conduct an annual assessment of FBMS to understand from our stakeholders what they like about the system, what their pain points are, and any suggestions for, for improvement. So using that data from the, that, those assessments, we identified a need to improve reporting. So uh, through multiple efforts over a number of years, including you know, purchasing new hardware or software and process upgrades where they've been a part of it. And, uh, and then we actually um, heard the need and created a new data analytics division within the bio. Um, all of those efforts and working with our stakeholders has resulted in a 42% improvement in end user reporting satisfaction which is a huge jump. We've, we've grown by 42%. And that is from truly listening to what people need uh, from, from that perspective. And then, you know, you, utilizing metrics, utilizing data for, for guiding those conversations too. So, so really demonstrating, to demonstrate the impacts of how that innovation is, is changing business, you've, you've got to use that data. So, I'll tell you, we had this this gut feeling that uh, using RPA for our contract closeout would save time, but actually benchmarking that current process and then comparing it to the bot allowed us to truly quantitatively demonstrate the time savings realized by automating the process. So that was really important because we had data to support our theory, which helped to prove to our stakeholders how how important that is, and that really does help to drive drive a cultural change. I'll say also, finally, and maybe most importantly, you know, agencies truly need that strong sponsorship at the executive levels for modernization and innovation efforts. We've been really fortunate at DOI to have so much of that support from our deputy assistant secretaries over the years. And, and like you said, including our current deputy assistant secretary, Andrea Brandon, um, this, this support has been key to our success. It's, it's absolutely critical with driving that change. 
I think that is important to note, too, because the most successful uh, adoption of RPA and any transformative technology that we've seen is when you get that top-down approach. And you have leadership saying, we are doing this to help you, not to replace you. We're just doing this to help you do your job better, augment your job, take away some of those tasks that you don't like. And in a previous webinar that I had participated on, somebody had said, you know, you really want to get stakeholders involved as well. And you want to figure out the tasks and the, you know, jobs that they're doing that they don't enjoy and try and automate those first, which sometimes is overlooked, but is incredibly important in this piece of the conversation, because you want people to not have to, you don't want to automate the stuff they like and then have them do only the things they don't like, because then they're not going to be happy employees. And so you want to say, okay, what can we do? How can we automate things that you don't like while also saving time and then showing them all the benefits? So I think you're right, you know, continue to measure, continue to show how it saving all around. So this has been such a wonderful podcast. We're really looking forward to your demo at our upcoming GovFutureForum DC as well. And I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes so people can register for that. But we always like to end our podcast with asking all of our guests the same final question because you're able to bring your background and your experience and we get such varied answers. So what do you see or hope to see as the future of technology and innovation in government? So we really do, I really do, um, you know, hope to see the government catch up to the private sector and the implementation of innovative solutions. So moving away from some of those old legacy systems and adopting and leveraging this new technology. So there's currently a federal RPA community of practice uh, with more than 1,400 members from over 100 different uh, departments and agencies. And it helps agencies across the federal government overcome the various challenges that arise in designing and deploying an effective RPA program. So whether it be technical, management-related, or operational. So those forums and that ability to get involved and share ideas is is just is is critical. I think it's a great start. These community of practices are a great start, and we hope to see even more of that collaboration across the federal government. So sharing those lessons learned, those successes, and the challenges, like I said, are just just so important. And learning from other agencies can really help uh, avoid those possible pitfalls that could lead to the rework and additional cost in, in implementing solutions. So we, we want to see and we, you know, we fully expect to see more agencies utilizing data too to make decisions and identify trends on what how they how they base their decisions and not just using those gut feelings like I was talking about before. So we're truly using evidence. Uh, there's there's a great quote from Suhail Doshi. He said, most of the world will make decisions by either guessing or using their gut. They will either be lucky or wrong. <laughs> so that's that's it in a nutshell. Uh, these technologies are really taking luck out of the equation, creating efficiencies and helping us with data decision, uh, d- data-driven decisions, which allows us to further the DOI mission. So it's really, really exciting times. Well, that's good. Well, always good to hear. We're a big fan of data-driven decisions. And it's actually kind of interesting. We've, we've seen, if you talk about sort of where does government fit in terms of, is it a, ahead of the industry at the same pace or behind industry? I know a lot of folks tend to think that industry is ahead in, in many ways. And I would say it depends on the sector because, well, certainly retail, you know, they, they'll they glom onto any new technology that'll advance it. That's why we see self-checkout. But in some industries actually are, are behind even the government. Like if you look at healthcare, we're constantly talking about how, you know, a lot of talk about legacy systems. 
mean, there's a lot of moving parts and pieces there, a lot of regulatory environment. So uh, I would say I would say government in some cases is, is is moving along quite well. And for our listeners on the podcast, we've had a number of really interesting interviews I, we, we can link to in our show notes where we've talked about some amazing stuff. IRS is doing augmented reality thing where you can put your phone on a thing and it'll, it'll tell you on that document what more information about the form. And we had a remarkable uh, interview, uh, which which will be posted actually, I think, after this, this podcast goes live. So it's a little bit of a preview, but we had a remarkable interview with uh, Aaron Judy, who is uh, the chief information officer of Maricopa County uh, in Arizona. Uh, in their court system, and they're just adopting like a remarkable amount of technology that's like so far ahead. We're like, okay, now you're just like ahead of everybody, and uh, that, that's interesting to see because that's a state. That's actually a local government. Uh, which has it's even more resource constrained <laughs> than the federal government. So anyway, lots of great insights. So I really want to thank you, Katie. You've been fantastic on this podcast. You provide a lot of great insights uh, for our listeners. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to continuing to hear the story of how things really emerge and innovate uh, within the agency. Well, thank you so much. This has been an incredible experience. So I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. We've got some great resources if you're looking to get more insight and detail on a range of technology that we discussed in this podcast and other topics as well. We encourage you to go to govfuture.com slash resources to check out all of this great content, which is tailored just for you, our GovFuture listeners. Become a GovFuture member if you haven't done so already to take advantage of all that the community has to offer, including access to a diverse network of government innovators, opportunities to collaborate with government agencies, exclusive access to events and resources, and a platform to have a voice in shaping the future of government innovation. To sign up, you can go to govfuture.com slash join, and I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. And if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us. We always love to get reviews and ratings from our listeners. You can rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. To view this episode's show notes, find additional episodes, subscribe to this podcast, and join the fastest growing community of government innovators, go to govfuture.com slash podcast. This sound recording and its contents are copyright GovFuture, all rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod. Thanks for listening to the GovFuture podcast and catch you at the next episode.